Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. God has been taking me on a journey for throughout this entire term where he's been placing sermons and stories from his word in my heart that have challenged me. And to be honest, I'm going to be speaking out of a place that I'm not very good at yet, but I'm striving in a good way, not in a God doesn't want us to strive away, but I'm really trying to work at this in everything I do to be more and more where he wants me to be in life. And so a couple of weeks ago, Andrew talked on vision and hope and how COVID has kind of wrecked that and we're in a place where we're not really planning. And so I kind of want to continue on that, but kind of come at it left field and say the enemy just doesn't want us to have that hope, to have that vision, to have that excitement for the future and an expectancy for what God is going to do in and through us. So he's been really challenging me with this one story in his word, all terms. So I'm going to unpack that a little bit. And also a sermon from Louis Giglio just absolutely hit me across the face. And so I'm going to be pulling out a lot of his ideas. And so I do want to attribute that to him. But I just think it's timely and it's really real for our hearts today what the enemy is trying to do, but how God is bigger than that. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to Psalm 23. And if you don't, that's fine. It's going to be on the screen behind me. But we're going to be looking at this passage that if you have or haven't grown up in the church, you've probably heard it before. It's either crocheted on your grandma's wall with a young Christmas figured Jesus, Santa Claus with a... um, sheep slung over his back and then the embroidered verse at the bottom, but it actually has so much power this morning. And so we're going to dive deep into Psalm 23. So will you read it with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been to an amazing dinner party? Like, it's amazing. The food is incredible. If you know me at all, I love hosting, never for myself, but for other people. I love putting on big spreads where people can come and feel happy and joy, and there's good food that they didn't have to make. And when you don't make it yourself, it always tastes better. And so it's, I love preparing amazing tables. And you'll probably see on the screen in a sec some of the spreads I've done. I've done some weddings and some engagement parties and some birthday parties and stuff like that. I just genuinely love it. It's really expensive hobby, but I just genuinely love creating spaces where people can come and feel safe. They feel like they're valued. They feel like they're part of a community, part of a family. And we can sit down, forget about the rest of life and its struggles and just be together. And God has said in this passage, which we're just pulling out half of one verse really today, that he has prepared a table before me. 
And I think I put on a good spread. Imagine what the spread of the king of the universe, the guy who created everything would look like. Can you imagine what that would be like? Like nothing would compare to this. It would like, I would say this looks pretty all right. But can you imagine the food would be cooked to perfection? It would be the best cutlery, the best glasses. It would be immaculately presented. It would be like, whoa, this is amazing. And God has invited us to sit down and enjoy. We are his honoured guests and he's invited us to sit at this table and in front of you is the king of the entire universe, the guy who knitted you together in your mother's womb, the guy who created all things. He's invited us to sit down with him. Like, I want you to try and imagine that with me this morning. We have the king of the universe sitting at the table and going, hey, how you doing? So good to have you here. I just am so excited that you come to my table, that we get to share this food together. How's life going? I just, I just want to remind you that I really love you and I'm so glad you're sitting at this table with me. I'm so glad you've decided to spend time with me. Like, can you imagine that? I want you for a second to close your eyes if you feel comfortable and actually try and picture what that would like, look like. I just... In my head, I think, I can't because that's what heaven's going to be like. And no eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind can imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. So I can't, but I would think that it's got like really tender beef that just melts in my mouth. And the bread is just like brioche, but no matter how much food you put into your mouth, you don't get fat over it. And it's just like, it's just like so good. And you have no worries at all. Like you're sitting at this table and you just have an insane peace in your heart that you can only attribute to the guy who's sitting across from you. You have an insane hope and joy that you can't describe yourself, but you can only attribute to the creator of the universe who's sitting at your table. And we might not have a physical table like this. We have to wait for heaven, for the physical or whatever that looks like. I cannot tell you what that looks like, but we have to wait for the physical table in heaven. But we don't have a table like this, but God has still asked us to sit down, be still with him, open up his word and receive the peace that he's giving to us when he gives us in heaven. But he wants to give us now. He wants to give us that joy now. And you know what I reckon happens most of the time um, these days, with especially in our society? Sirx, can you pass me my phone? I reckon what happens today is we come to the table and we are like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Wow, look at all this food. Oh my gosh, blueberries. Love it. Wait, just hold up there. I just want to take a picture. Portrait mode. Oh, yeah, I'm going to put a holy filter on that and post that on Instagram, um, sitting at the table with the Father, hashtag blessed, hashtag living my best life. This is just amazing post. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get so many likes on this. Thank you so much. I am really busy. I've got a scram, but I just... I'll just take this to go, if that's okay. But thank you. This looks incredible. Thank you so much. I can't believe you did this to me. Mm. Best blueberry. 
I've ever had. Have you seen this photo? I've got 20 likes already. It's like amazing. I'm so blessed. Like how good is time spent with God? I think we get caught. One of the biggest things and reasons why we don't sit at the table is we're busy or we like to showcase it to the world. And it's only what we showcase is our time spent with God. And it's like, God has prepared this amazing feast and it's free and you didn't make it. So it obviously tastes good. And here you go down to sit at the table. Whoa, You go down to sit at the table, but you stand right up again and go on with your day that is just so busy, that is filled with things. And honestly, it's just one of the biggest distractions in our world from spending time with Jesus. And the story that has kept on coming up this term for me has been the story of Mary and Martha. I probably have blueberry in my teeth. I'm really sorry if it looks right. Um, but the story of Mary and Martha has just been kept keeping on coming up in my world relentlessly. And I feel like God is wanting to say something through it because usually that's what he does. Um, but if we go to Luke 38, 42 in your word, or it will come up on the screen. Luke 10, 38 to 42. I reckon that in this story, I could probably change my name out for Martha. I am the biggest Martha. I, you didn't even see me in worship this morning because I was trying to scramble this table together and I was like, I'm doing it before I'm even preaching about it. But if we go to 10, Luke 10, 38 to 42, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman's name, Hannah, I mean Martha, opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had to say. But Hannah, I mean Martha, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better. It will not be taken away from her. I literally can picture myself in this story. I picture myself freaking out as the king of the universe comes up to my door and I'm like, is the house clean? Is the cheese board ready to go before the feast comes out? Are the drinks topped up? Oh my goodness, running around like a maniac and freaking out about this feast. And let me tell you, I have been in situations where I've been preparing stuff like this and I've been like, no one's helping me. Uh, like I'm slaving away at this stove and they're all chatting, doing life together and being happy and merry and I'm being like, ugh. Anyway, I can literally change the Martha name to my name. But here Jesus is saying, Hannah, Hannah, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. When you sit down with me, you have chosen what is better and I wouldn't want it any other way. God has been challenging me on this all term and I am stubborn and relentless and fidgety and I cannot sit still. I went on a retreat a couple of weeks ago and they had two and a half, two and a half hours of silence and solitude. And so I get my picnic chair and I go down to the brook and I sit down and I'm listening to the water and I'm like, all right, God, just you and me. 
This is gonna be great. Just you and me for two and a half hours. I know I'm exhausted, so I need the rest. It's just gonna be you and me. An hour goes past and I was doing all right. An hour 15 and I'm like, I just, the silence is really overwhelming. And so I was like, God, can I put on some music? He's like, no, just sit with me. And I was like, but it's worship music. I'm still like, I'm still in your presence. He's like, no, just sit in silence with me. Am I not enough for you? And I was like, well, the silence is just really overwhelming. And then I was like, okay, what if I read my Bible? That's really learning about who you are. And this doesn't happen for everyone, let me just say, but he's really teaching me something here. He's like, no, just sit with me. And then it gets to the two hour mark and I'm like, I'm really sorry, Jesus, but we're going to have to work on this at another time because I just need to play some music. Um, so I really felt like he said, Hannah, you really suck at this in a nice way. <laughs> in a very nice way, in a God way. And he's like, we're gonna work on this together. And I was like, okay, let's do that. Little steps at a time, maybe 15 minutes at a time. Um, but the second part of this Psalm 23 verse says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. We live in a world where the enemy does not want you to sit at the table with the Lord. In John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. He wants to steal our joy so that when we're in the presence of our maker, we don't feel the joy that he's gifting to us. He wants to steal the peace that God freely gives to us whenever we need it. He wants to destroy our relationship with him and our vision for the future, just like Cirques was saying a couple of weeks ago. He wants to kill our dreams. He wants to destroy our relationship with the guy who just wants to be close to us, with our creator, the one who knitted us together, the one who, he wants to destroy our intimacy with our father. And often he doesn't come in the way we think he does. Yes, there are Christians all around the world who are being persecuted for their faith and horrible things are happening in the tangible. But in our society, we might get a few persecuting comments from our colleagues or our family members or people who aren't Christian around us. But more often than not, he comes in a very calm way. And don't think he won't come to your table because he came to Eve's table in the Garden of Eden and it worked. He even tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness and the only way he wasn't tempted is because he was God. But he doesn't shy away from coming to your table. And we allow the enemy to sit at our table and yes, it's harmless at first. He comes and sits down and he's like, do you mind? Thanks. This is really, this is pretty good. How you doing? Mm. How's life? Oh yeah. That husband of yours. Mm. Man, he's leaving all the doors open in the kitchen and not putting the toilet seat down. I don't know how you deal with it. It's crazy. What about your boss? Yeah, I've heard some stories about him. He's really controlling. Um, He's giving you trouble. I mean, you should just probably leave. I don't know how you've stuck around for long. Oh, you rested on the Sabbath? Don't you have so much work to do? There's like so many things coming in your inbox. I'm pretty sure there's like five emails in there that like desperately needed to be checked. Or are you about to read your Bible? 
Oh, wait, before you do that, do you remember that trailer you saw that had that really cool thing? You should probably go on Netflix and before Netflix takes it off, you should probably watch that. Or Instagram, you probably haven't checked in on that in a while. There's a few people you need to make sure you're keeping up with their lives even though you have no clue who they are. Or you have five notifications on Facebook, you should probably check what they are. I wonder what they are. Oh, you can read your Bible tomorrow. <laughs> like, he's so fine with that. Or maybe you can wait a few days and just listen to the sermon on Sunday. That's fine. Um, he wants to steal everything good that God has given to us. That peace, the joy, the goodness of God. He wants our eyes fixed on everything else bar his table, bar the creator who is sitting right there and desperately wants our attention, but it's just put in so many other places. In this book, Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, it's, he's done a fictional book where he's got a senior demon ver- training a junior demon on how to pull people away in their relationship with God. And it says this, You'll find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. You no longer need a good book, which he really likes to keep him from his prayers or his work or his sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods of time. And if he sits at your table long enough, he's gonna narrow right in on the spot that tears you down. And there are many common lies that the enemy uses to dry and get into our head. And today, if you feel like maybe you wanna press the eject button on your marriage or out of your family saying it's just too hard, then I wanna let you know that the enemy has a seat at your table. If if you think you're not gonna make it through this season, that this situation is too hard, this sickness or this work situation is too hard, I'm not gonna get through it, then the enemy has a seat at your table. If you think that everybody is against you, nobody likes me, it's me against the world, then the enemy has a seat at your table. Or there are people in your life that you currently or have in the past hurt you and caused you pain and suffering and you feel there's no way to forgive them, the enemy has a seat at your table. If you think God cannot forgive you for something that you've done, the enemy has a seat at your table. If you feel like you're not good enough, you've failed, or you're not smart enough, or you're not pretty enough, or you're not good enough or talented enough, the enemy has a seat at your table. If you feel like you just can't do life anymore, the enemy has a seat at your table and he is eating your lunch that was prepared for you by the creator of the universe. But there, as we have been talking about, all term is a better story. If we go back to Psalm 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? He watches over us. He guides us. He leads us in ways where we don't know where we're going. And all we need to do is keep close to him and our eyes fixed on him. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. How many of us today need to be refreshed? need a green pasture to lie down in and quiet waters to sit beside. 
He guides me along the right path for his name's sake, for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. He is fighting for us, let me tell you. He is the light in your darkness that you desperately need day in, day out. In our darkest valleys, he is our light. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me tell you this morning, definitely his goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. And, he will, and you get the opportunity to dwell in the house of the Lord at his table forever. Ultimately, the enemy who's sitting at your table wants you to be defined by your scars, by your shame, by your guilt, by your past hurts, by your unforgiveness, by your feeling like you're not good enough. The enemy wants to accuse you of that every single time you sit at the table. But Jesus says, as we have just looked at in communion, I want you to be defined by my scars. If you look close enough, I feel like I've kind of got my own scars. <laughs> um, if you look close enough and you're sitting at the table and present with him every day, it's his scars you will notice, not your own. And he breaks the bread in front of you and says, my blood has poured out so you could be with me forever. You are defined by his scars, not by your own. And so I wanna ask today, who has a seat at your table? Who's sitting at your table? Is it insecurity? Is it doubt? Is it shame? Is it guilt? In John 10.10, 10, yes, the verse starts off with the thief comes to seek, steal, kill and destroy. But it finishes saying that, but I, but Jesus, but God has come to give you life and life to the full. And God doesn't condemn us for not picking up our Bible every day, but he desperately wants you to open his word so that you know who he is so that you can learn about him and be with him and sit in his presence. He desperately wants you to get on your knees before him and just spend time with him. The invitation is there. The table is prepared and it's so good, let me tell you. It is so good. Will you accept the invitation to come sit at the table? If you think this morning that maybe you're not good enough to come sit at the table and be with your creator, then I wanna remind you that just before Jesus went on the cross, he sat at the table in communion with the person who sent him to the cross. He sat at the table with the, his best friend who denied him three times <laughs> in a row after a full time of ministry, three years of ministry, and his best friend still denied who he was. If you think your problems and your insecurities and your doubts and your shame and your guilt are too big to come and sit at the table, then the enemy has a seat at your table. So today, I've got some cards that hopefully you've been given by the welcome team at the start of the service. If you haven't, just chuck your hand up. And I invite you to pull out a pen. And if you don't have a pen, they're also gonna be coming around with pens. So just chuck your hand up. 
But today, I, wanna tang- I want you to really think about this. Just chuck your hand up if you need a pen. And we're all going to do this. If you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> I'm really sorry, but we're all going to do this. I want you to write down who you think has a seat at your table. Who has a seat at your table and is eating your lunch? Is it Netflix that's taking up most of your time? Is it frustration? Is it insecurities? Is it doubt? Is it shame? Is it worry? Is it fear? Is it a lack of trust in our Creator? Does the enemy have a seat at your table? I want you to write it down under the seats. And if you have more than that, put them down. Because today, just as we've looked at in communion, the incredible message of Jesus is that we don't have to live with these things at our table. When He died on the cross and shed His blood, that covers it all. It covers it all. Nothing too big. There's nothing too big for Him that's sitting at your table right now. But the blood of Jesus Christ, oh man, is it powerful. Oh, it is so powerful. And today, symbolically, we're going to put all of our insecurities, all of our doubts and submerge them in the blood of Jesus Christ, symbolically. But we're gonna do it because we have to get a little bit sticky. We have to get a little bit dirty, but our Creator got dirty for us. He was beaten and bruised and covered in the blood. And He did that so that we could sit at this table and live in peace and joy and hope for the future and for whatever God has for us. So today, write down what you think is at your table right now. And we're gonna come to the front kind of one at a time in a COVID safe manner. There's one on either side and we're gonna dip this in the blood of Jesus Christ fully submerged in His blood and leave it there. We're not gonna walk out of these doors with the stuff at our table, but we're gonna walk out with only God at our table. So I invite you to write that down and then the worship team's gonna come up and they're gonna sing a song about God being the Creator who makes a way for us in our insecurities, who makes a way for us in our deep, dark valleys, who makes a way for us when we desperately need Him. And so write it down, and then when you feel comfortable, bring it to the front, and we're just gonna submerge it all in the blood of Jesus. Leave it here. I don't want you to take it away out the door with you. I want just you and Jesus to be at the table this morning and enjoy the peace as you walk out the door. Enjoy the joy as you walk out the door that He gives freely. There's nothing you have to do to get it, but He just gives it to you because He's sitting at your table this morning. And He's waiting there for you. He's already there. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to, yeah, you don't have to do anything. He's just there. So let's do that now. Put it right down on that piece of paper. And then when you feel like you're ready, come to the front. Fully submerge it in the blood of Jesus Christ. Give it to Him. Take a moment and say, Lord Jesus, I give all of this to You. 
I want it to be covered in the powerful almighty blood of Jesus. And then once we've sung, I'll come back up and pray for us all this morning. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know. 